Denicia Niles is a multitasker. She grew up in the Caribbean with a passion for football. As she says, football was my life. She also grew up with all brothers. Denicia was crushing stereotypes from the very beginning. She was fearless on the field and had no problem facing the best among the boys, whether at home or in school. She took this forward approach into what would become her second passion, music. Several church concerts as a child gave Denicia the confidence to start fiddling around with songwriting. Her music teacher, Mrs. Daphne Jacobs Richardson, a legend on the island of Anguilla, encouraged her and would correct and advise her on her compositions. A chance school project with her cousin Diction Edwards would allow her to enter a professional studio for the first time. She was hooked. Denicia was determined. As a teen, she dedicated much of her time to what she imagined would be her career as an artist. Upon researching, however, she became more intrigued by the business segment of the industry. Her interest became even stronger when she attended college in Miami. Her exposure to sports, event planning, and entertainment management solidified her love for the biz. With work opportunities in Australia and Los Angeles, producing a basketball camp and dozens of events, coupled with her music production company, The Black Jetty, and her cafe, The Tea Box Lounge, Denicia is the definition of a creative entrepreneur. She, however, has no plans of slowing down. Wait until you hear what she plans to do next. This is the story thus far, of Denicia Niles. I am Crispin Brooks, and this is Planet 30. She is a songwriter, creator, and entrepreneur, Denicia Niles... Welcome to Planet 30. Thank you for having me, Crispin. Pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. Question for you. <laughs> <laughs> How does a creative cope in the in COVID, in the COVID era? Wow. <laughs> well, to be honest, I think that COVID is really for the creative. Um, if you are creative, you will find ways to in a time where everyone else is stressing about work and stressing about, you know, all the things that they they miss doing and, and, and going on a job and a hustle and bustle, you're actually thinking about all the things that you could get done in that time. Like, okay, all right, creatively, this is what I want to do. I want to explore. I now have um, an audience because, let's face it, like, COVID brought us into the dig- digital realm and... <clears throat> That's, that's just what it is right now. And so for us, most of our things, the way we get them out is in that digital space nowadays. So it's something that we, I, I would say bask in. We, we, we like that. We relish in that. Um, and so as a creative, I'll be honest, I haven't spent much time um, writing, but I have been doing a lot of... Um, singing you know in gigs and as you've seen i've been on the scene so yeah i think that's it 
most definitely. And you are lucky uh, because you are in Anguilla, which is quote unquote COVID free to this point. So you guys have been able to do gigs. In... No active cases. Sorry. No, no active cases. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. Let me correct myself. <laughs> But you've been able to do gigs uh, at, at at bars, at restaurants, and and uh, at venues. It's it's an actual mm-hmm. blessing for for those creatives uh, on Anguilla and in and in those countries that have no active cases. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. What are what are some of your fondest memories uh, of coming up in Anguilla? I think fondest memories were really um, being with family because. I'm a real family-oriented type of person. Um, I spend a lot of time with my family, my immediate family, um, and my cousins who are all in one place. We're all, you know, in in Anguilla, it's customary for you to all share a yard, you know? So if your grandmother has a house, then um, you better believe that your aunts and your uncles, they're like right right, right around the yard. So... Um, that was one of the things that I um, could remember that I enjoyed most, spending time with my cousins. And I think just, you know, building on my on my craft as well, because I sang from a very early age. And so, you know, there were times where I would, um, you know, clear my mom's living room table and just get up there and sing with a brush, you know? <laughs> and that was That was one of my my um hobbies you know so i think it it's it's also my fondest memory mm-hmm. now you you do a lot of work for the afa the angola football association but i think what mm-hmm. most people don't know is that you were a football star yourself back in the day tell us about your <laughs> tell us about your days playing uh football well soccer for for uh, the audience outside that doesn't uh, call it football. Um, tell, yeah. tell us about your football days. Were you were you on the red ants? The fire. The fire, fire ants. ants. I'm sorry. Yeah, the fire ants. So that was the original female um, team for Anguilla national team, and I was on the fire ants. Um, and you know what? Football was my life. It, it still is my life. You know, um, I had a, a passion for it. And, you know, if I had to choose between anything in football, it was football. <laughs> you know, it was always, you know, if you want to have a party this year for your birthday. Um, and I'd be like, no, I just want to play football. I want to go to football. Or, you know, if I had practice, I want to I wanna be at football. So, um, yeah, I think it was it's, it's just the, the love and the passion that I had for the sport. Um, my brothers also played all of them. So... I started at a very young age. I think I must have been seven or eight, really kicking the ball around. And then um, I remember one day I was in primary school and I, you know, was watching the game. Uh, You know, you play a little scrimmage inside of the school square. And um, I had the opportunity to, you know, kick a ball and, and just a free kick. And the ball, back, back then, you know, you, you didn't have any goal in the square, but, like, you use the columns of the the the, the blocks right. to basically line out the goals, right? And so once it, it passes the, the columns, 
then it's a it's a goal and passes the keeper. It's a goal. And so, you know, I made, um, I scored a goal with, with force. I kicked the ball and it hit the the um, aluminum windows <laughs> of the school on the block. And that's when teacher Winston, he actually recognized that I had the talent to play the game. One kick. Um, just like my brothers did before. And he put me on the team that year. I was eight. And I was like the youngest player on the team. Um, for Rhodes Road Primary Primary School, which is now the Adrian T. Hazel Primary School, and so you um, you were on a team that was dominated by 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 guys. Well, no, it was actually um, a female team. Oh, the female, female team. team. Okay, got you. Okay, so yeah, because the primary school had um, female tournament, um, and so we we went in as as. Um, Competing in the female the female tournament. Got you. And I was the youngest player on the team that year. Awesome, awesome. And you took that all the way up through high school. I took it all the way up through high school until. Whew, um, and 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 while you know while I played football, I played. Um, I only ever held two positions. I played um, midfield, and I played strike in my later years like in the high school years um because i just i wanted to score goals you know so (laughs) (laughs) i moved up to strike and um i'm not the fastest so for me i can coop a ball i can score the ball i can kick you know i can do those things um and so that's where i tried to hone in um and yeah, when I got to when it was when it was time for me to leave um, high school, I, I I let the game go. I didn't really play anymore. When I got to college, um, I didn't play. Wow! Believe it or not, interesting. Yeah, I I picked up. That's when that's when I really picked up on my other passion, which was the music. Right. So yeah. you're flowing right into my next question. Tell me about your early days in music. How did that develop? My early days in music, I would say, oh, wow. Okay, so um, I started singing in a church. Um, I think my earliest memory was me singing for um, a school concert. And... um, you know, when you when you're young, you you are very impressionable, and you listen to everything. You know, on the radio, you hear the songs. You know, the brandy was playing, the Monica was playing, the, the you know the the boy is mine. You know, mm-hmm. and so you when you when you when you listen to the music and you watch the videos on TV, you feel like, oh my gosh, like I could be a star too. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and so that's what you imitated. You imitated. The, those singers back then singing and making, you know, doing the moves and everything. You know, I even learned um, all the dances, like for Aaliyah's songs, when she brought out a music video, I would sit down in front of the TV and I would watch and I would, you know, do everything that she did. Um, <clears throat> so she was one of my favorite artists. Um, but my, my, you know, before... After that, I think, you know, after developing that sort of, like, performance um, spirit, you know, I started to write poetry. 
believe it or not. Ah. And from the from the poetry, I went into I, I took another um, dimension. I went into listening to songs and then writing um, sort of like a what's the, what's the word? It's not a spoof, but I did a, like a, a parody of the song. Like a parody, correct? Yes, I did the parody of the song. So, like you know, like I would do the big pan pan spin and cheese, right? So I would mix it up like big pan pan ham and cheese, you know, and I made it comedic. <laughs> kind of like where 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 Al Yankovic used to do, right? And like Will Smith, I remember I I, I remixed that one. Like now this is a story all about how my life got to, to um. Twist it upside down, and I like to take a, you know, and I would put my own spin on it, right? Got it. And from there, you know, I started developing my like what, or I I found what genres really appealed to me, and I I was drawn to R and B and 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 hip hop and the soul because you know I sang. You know, um, and I think from there, I then moved into writing songs, like actually taking a stab at writing a, an actual song. And I remember I had this book that I used to walk around with. It was long. <laughs> it was like a legal size, um, you know, paper book. Right. Sorry. And so I walked around with this book with lines in it black book and I used to write my songs in there and like even to this day like my mom even teases me like she used to find she found this book a couple times and she was like what what is this what you write you know she's like what she would read the lyrics out and be like what is this here (laughs) you know (laughs) (laughs) and it was just like you know it was just a matter of just having that book close to me at all times because I had ideas and I wanted to just get them out, get them down on paper. Do you, do, um, do you remember, like... My so- mom didn't understand at that time what it was that I was setting up for, you know? Um, but that was it. That was my life. And then, you know, my my cousin, Young Diction, actually was working on an SBA project in, his six, in sixth form. And he needed a voice. He knew that I sang. And he needed a um, female vocalist to just sing a chorus. So he wrote the song uh, based on his project, and then he put me on the on the on the hook. I spent the day, like half a day with him, and you know he was he was showing me the um, the lyrics, and just was like, you know, um, I wanted to be sung this way. So that's that's pretty much where I got my first experience actually recording. And so we recorded. And was this at um, Evolution Studios? No, actually, back then, what used to happen, like in my in my, I'd say I I always remember remember my older brothers in our study, like our den, just um doing all the SBA their work, you know their 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 um their school work in here, and it was also like our computer game room and everything, and so we started out recording. Um, in inside my den with a, a mic with a sock over it. <laughs> and so it would be like, you know, um, Fu and I, we would be sharing the mic. So he would do his verse for his school project and then I'd come in with the hook, 
you know? <laughs> oh, my goodness. And that, yeah, and that's how I started, really. And then I, you know, after a couple sessions of that, you know, we went to Haji's studio, you know? Evolution. And Yeah, Evolution. And that's where I did my first professional recording. When you when you were recording in the den, what was the uh, format? You well, not the format. The was there a computer program or where where was the recording taking place on cassette? Honestly, it was like cassette. It was some of everything because like my brothers, like they they were really like techie, and so I I I could swear like some of it was done like on computer at that time. Um, But I know for sure. When um, when we finished doing things, like we did have a lot of cassettes, a lot of radios in the house. So, like, I remember the tracks being on on cassette. Like, I'm sure to this day, there's somebody. I, I my cousin Karen probably has the track somewhere on CD and on cassette. That is gold. <laughs> we must find it. We must find it. Oh man. <laughs> By the way, to say that your brothers are, are, are techies an understatement. Three engineers, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> techies, like seriously. They, they um, especially my last one, he would um, pull things apart and then fix them up. Like, he loves screws and, like, fix everything, you know? So that's what it is. You name it. But we had a real um, study den room that had... Um, Everything you could think of, the game board, the the game consoles, and the computer, and everything like it was my place to come in and learn anatomy. Where you know I loved anatomy, believe it or not. And I came in, I had this like CD, CD ROM that I would plug in CD and try to learn ROM. I thought it was gonna be. I thought it was gonna be. Um, like I, I just loved. Um, the body, you know, I just love the human body, so I thought I was gonna do something in that area, and I was just like learning the parts of the body, the bones, everything. But yeah, Doctor <laughs> Denicia. <laughs> so you you what? Well, let me ask you this. I know you mentioned some Aaliyah, some Monica. That must have been when you <laughs> were quite younger. But in your teen years, especially, you know, in your in your yeah. teenage years, who are you listening to? Years, you know, funny thing is, I was actually drawn to reggae, so I was listening to the most Sizzler. Um, I was a Sizzler fanatic. Um, I was listening to Capleton, I was listening to Fenton Moja. Um, oh, Rootsy Rootsy stuff, Luton Fire, and, and you know, Anthony B. Anthony B, I was I was hard on the on the on the reggae. I, I listened to Damien Molly, the young Damien Molly. Um, would you be so kind? Show me a sign. I've been looking and it's so hard to find a decent gala with the decent. You know? So I was on that. Really rootsy um, stuff. Yes, and I and I started to dabble in writing um reggae too. You know, so that's where my mind was at. You know, not straying away from the R&B soul that I enjoyed so much, but it was just trying to mesh the two and bring bring it together in my own way. 
Got it. Got it. Now, um, you graduate high school Mm -hmm. and you decide to go on to uh, college. Yeah. And what what was your major? Um, I did sports, entertainment, and event management and marketing. So for me, having that creative nature, I wanted something that would combine my talent. So my talent in sport, my talent in um, in music, and then I loved organizing. Like I loved planning things. Oh. <laughs> I had a you know every 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 student writes things at the back of their books, right? Right. My best friend could attest to this. So you write your most important your most important things in the back of your book, right? <laughs> so I wrote all the things that I wanted to do and um and be in the back of my school books. And you know, I had a wild imagination. I was a dreamer. Um but I wrote all of the events that I that I could conceptualize and all everything that needed to be done in school, like if there was like a, an assembly session or like a fundraiser or something, I would, you know, put it in the back there. If I was in charge of it, you know, I would put it in the back there. And so I, I had the love for planning uh, and organizing things. And so when I found a program that really combined the three and I said, you know what, you know, it, st- it struck me, um, when I was singing and actually trying to figure myself out in music and wondering like, how will I ever attain a level of success in music Right. and success is relative. You know, I said to myself, if I'm thinking this way, there must be others behind me to come that will be thinking this way like how do I get this done how do I become a star how do be how, how do I become a mega sensation and so when I found that program I was like okay this may be the way to go where I can learn the management side of things so that I can find my way through you know um you always hear the stories of when 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 they were in the struggle, the VH1 behind the stories, behind the scenes, behind, you know? And most of those stories are riddled with um, artists who have managers that mismanage, you know, their funds or mismanage their, their, their direction. So at the end of the day, I was like, okay, how do I, how do I, as a young girl from Anguilla, wanting to be in this industry, really um, manage things for myself so that I don't get taken advantage of. Did you have a lot? Of, did you have a lot of naysayers? Why are you going to go study that? Um, no, not really, because at that time, I I literally just was like done with Angola. Like I wanted to be in the big city. Like I wanted to leave the island and just do something different. And I really didn't tell anyone I was I was going, aside from my family. Like I told you, I'm, I'm you know, I'm very close family-oriented um, um, type of person. So it was just my family that knew I was going. I took a trip um, out to Miami with my 
cousin I stayed by my cousin and I I told him I was coming up him and his wife and I I stayed there for like a couple days visited the school and then that was it like the next um, year I was out of here wow so it wasn't really anybody telling me oh no you can't do this oh no you can't do that because I'll tell you two things well one thing about my parents they are the type that let you do what you gotta do okay you know they you know I might have the wildest dream wildest idea they will not shut it down <laughs> right so they let you do what you gotta do and figure things out for yourself that's a blessing um, yeah I mean uh, looking at it now yeah it's a blessing um, and I think that you know they never told me the second thing is they never tell you what to do like they they don't say oh you should study this or you should study that they never did that so that's something that I'm I'm truly as you say truly grateful for now that I look at it um, but I I just went off on my own and I remember balling that first first time I was away from <laughs> from them like officially I was like balling I was crying but I mean it was just a step in um I think in the right direction and it was just time for me to be on my own you know um yeah that was just a new experience to, to take in so I was a bit overwhelmed at the same time mm -hmm, mm -hmm. tell us a bit about your experience in Miami Believe it or not, the first—I um, think you'd re you'd remember this too. The first, like, like my first semester, I was robbed at gunpoint, and that was a harrowing experience. I do not remember this. What? Okay, yeah. So I, I was robbed at gunpoint. Like I, 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 I experienced the streets of MIA, and it was just so weird how um, it all happened because. Like, I I just was not expecting it. It's not like I was in a bad part of the neighborhood, per se, but my campus was pretty open at the time. It wasn't closed off. Um, and so we had, like, this one street running through that was that was the open street. Um, and I think they were working on buying up the area, but they didn't quite get to that point yet. And so there was, like... This traffic that night, I remember it being like a night where it was busy. And the funny thing is, is that when you're in the in the U.S., when you're walking the streets, when you're, you know, everybody's in their own little world. They're doing their own thing. So I got robbed right next to some people and they didn't even know. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, it's only when I was like, did you see what just happened to me? They were like. No, what just happened? I was like, I just got robbed at gunpoint. And literally, like, three seconds after that happened, like, safety and security of my school, they just were patrolling the area, but they patrolled just a little too late. They were patrolling. And they flagged the, the, um, the other people, flagged them down. I was like, hey, she just got robbed. And I had to go make a full statement. To this day, I have my case, um, my case number. <laughs> But Miami, aside from that, was just 
the place to be at the time. Like we've had, you know, like I tell you, I'm a sports enthusiast. So we had the big three in Miami. Miami was doing things. It's like anybody and everybody who is anybody comes to Miami on a spring break. Um, it's the partying. It's the South Beach, which is um, kind of overrated in my opinion. But, um, you know, you, you just come down there to party and, it's just a nice feeling to be in that if, you, if you're craving um, a new experience from a, you know, if you're from an island and you're craving a new experience and you want the city, you know, the city life. So it was the clubbing scene, it was uh, the South Beach scene, it was the sports scene, everything was bubbling. And so my experience there was, even though, you know, what had happened to me, really kept me back for quite some time because I suffered from, you know... Um, PTSD. Yeah, it was it was tra- traumatic, and so I didn't want to put myself out there at first. I didn't want to... And you know parents from the Caribbean, if anything happens to you, they're like, come home now, right? So right. That's how my mom was, and she literally, when that happened to me when I got up, she felt... She felt that something was wrong. And if if I could tell you, she felt it, and everyone in my house knew that something was wrong um, because she just was on a different level. Um, but I stuck it out, you know, and I said, I have to go my experiences. I have to do this for me. I'm creative, and this is what creatives do. And... You know, I, I think it empowered me even more because I met a lot of different people. I networked. I met people in the industry from sports um, managers. And, you know, a lot of my professors came from sports franchises like the Miami Heat, the Dolphins, um, you know, like um, Step and Slide Records, which was a big thing in Miami. Of you know? course. Um, yeah, you can't. You can't to a Miami without talking about Step and Slide or Trina or Rick Grass and those types of people. So, you know, having that um, that exposure to industry people and in and the, the actual industry, the music, the entertainment, because a lot of my coursework was based on um, arenas and seeing the, the, the sold-out shows and the sold-out um, sport events. And, you know, every time the Miami Heat played, you know, I'd have tickets to sell because that was part of it. Selling, selling. We had to sell tickets um, for games. Interesting. In university because the university is like your melted. It's like your 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 um your big market, right? Right. Because there's that's a the demographic. Students, right? And so, you know, we were given a chance to attend these events for little to nothing, you know. But we had the opportunity as sports entertainment and event management students to sell. So I would be the hookup and the plug for the Anguillians in the area who all, you know, went to different universities, whether it was Flomo or, um, you know, um, just in the area just to get tickets. Like if we had a baseball game or something or if we wanted to go as a group, yeah, I'll, I'll be, I'm the plug. I'm the person that got the ticket or has the hookup to the ticket. <laughs> Interesting, interesting. So, yeah, so I, you know, I met a lot of great people that I, you know, still talk to 
on a regular basis. Um, and my best friend as well. I met her there. A lot of celebs. Um, sorry? A lot of celebrities. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, yeah, it's a lot of celebs in the area. They come to Miami. I think Miami is like their playing ground. Um, and so the experience there was, was, was one that I cherish. And then you did the unthinkable. You returned to the Caribbean. (laughs) (laughs) So you got me cracking up, Kristen. You got me cracking up. Um, You know, I I think every Angolian that's abroad at some point thinks about, you know, coming coming home. I I think I, 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 I... I think I can say that with confidence because at the end of the day, home is where the heart is, right? And home, home is, is what you know. And, you know, you have, you, you know, you're out in the big world and you get all these ideas and you get all of this exposure and you're thinking to yourself, how can I make my country better? How can I make my island, you know, um, at least to just bring one or two things um, to the island that, you know, that, that, or make the people see that, hey, like, this is something that's out there. Like, we don't have to be here all the time stuck in what we know, but we can do things. We can infuse, infuse the cultures. We can, we can, um, we can experience different things. And I think that's what really brought me back home too, because I, I wanted to, with my ideas, I wanted to really contribute meaningfully to my island, right? And mm-hmm. like, like, like we discussed, I was a footballer, and so I had dreams of you know because before I left, we were um, we had a stadium or we had the stadium being built, and I just was like, wow, this might be a great avenue. Like I could come back and work and. They'll have sports venues, the tennis academy, like, you know, I was just wide-eyed. A lot of opportunity. Yeah, and I was like, a lot of opportunity because I saw while I was doing interns, different internships in the U.S., the competition is very thick, you know? And not to say that I can't perform or um, beat up a competition, but I was just looking at ways in which we could um, develop here on island and just you know, from a from a perspective of what's my contribution to my country, you know, that's what I was looking at, and so that's that's how I landed back here too. The love of the country, well, love of the country. I have to I have to ask you um, that I should have asked you. Um, mm-hmm. You had some experience in Los Angeles as well during your time in the states. Tell us about some of your adventures in LA. Well, in LA, I really didn't go for um, for music in particular. You know, I didn't go. Um, what I what I did is um, I went there for my brother's wedding because you know his wife is from LA, from LA. Um, that's when I experienced LA for the first time. Um, and I just fell in love with LA. I just love the, you know, Hollywood. That's what it is. It's Hollywood. Right. You start, you start, yeah. And so, 
pencil tone. It's like, oh, wow, like this is the place to be. Um, but some years after, it wasn't until, yeah, some years after where I I really went to LA just in transit though because I did some part of schooling in um, Australia. And so I had to travel through, well, I traveled through the LA, um, the LA way to Australia because it was just a shorter journey. And Aust- um, Australia was uh, was uh, a part of the whole entertainment event planning. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, down there is like they call it the event mecca of the world because what they do is they they really have a great um, respect for their culture, respect for the indigenous population, and a lot of their culture, their events are really um, folklore. Um, events so they they do a lot of festivals and everything so festivals are like their main thing down in australia and so it was a a great place for someone like myself um studying this so really experience it full on yeah Mm -hmm. um and so yeah it, it was just me traveling down there and then traveling in transit to la um is where i experienced um I remember sitting on the grass just watching um, Damien Molly and Nas. They had this project that they worked on, right? Distant Cousins. What was it? Distant, yeah. So they had a concert. (laughs) They had a concert in LA. And it was actually a surprise. My sister-in-law gave me a surprise because on my way there, um, I didn't even know I was going to the concert, but I went to the concert and I experienced it. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, like... This is the middle of the day, work week, um, and like people are out here enjoying this concert. You got to be kidding me! I have never seen this in my life. <laughs> 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 it's like this is America. Say, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, this is the rest of the world. Like it's so much. It's so much people that you know. It could be Wednesday, eight o'clock in the morning, and people are out. Somebody's like, off of work. Like, yeah, somebody's off of work. Or somebody's skipping like, work. <laughs> and they're like enjoying this concert, sitting on the grass. And I'm like, wow, I could do this. I could do this. Yeah. Mm. Um, I'll, I guess I'll come back to LA a little later on. But yeah, that's that's just my my where my love for LA um started. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And so we're back in Anguilla again. Mm-hmm. And you hit the ground running. You started a youth basketball training camp, but you just you didn't yeah. you just didn't do it uh, on a, any regular regular scale, as they say. You brought in people from the Miami Heat. Yeah. How yeah, does I one even that. get attached to people from the Miami Heat? <laughs> well, like I said, it's it's just having the network because, like I said, my coaches, my sorry, my professors will from the sports franchises. And so, you know, one day um, I hit one of them up and because I, I, I was in Angola, I was bored uh, one night and I asked my brother to take me around the island. Just I just wanted to go drive and I just wanted to see lights. Like we have, I, I keep saying it, but Angola has some of the worst street lights <laughs> <laughs> um, I've ever seen because I was so accustomed of, um, being on a street full of lampposts and lots of light. And so when you drive down 163rd Street in Miami, you know what time it is, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, ah, 
these lights are so space so far they are space so far apart it's so dark i'm i'm living in the bush it's dark like i just want to get out you know i want to see what's out there i want to see the lights and you know my brother i agree he took me out driving and i i met this group of young guys in my community um playing basketball and they were coaching themselves and i said wow um i asked them a couple questions like do you guys want to play basketball they were like yeah but we know we're not going to make it anywhere and that just hit me wow 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 it sunk my heart and i was like how oh, are these kids so young and just thinking so negatively already like they're not even not trying. not allowed to dream and i wanted them to dream they're not allowed to dream and i you know i got on the phone and I called one of my professors because earlier like maybe a couple months earlier he contacted me and asked me if we needed help you know in any area and i I, I told him no. <laughs> and when I got this, when I found this group of guys, it was just like, just an automatic thing to do. It was no brain all I was like, yeah, um, I, I'm with this group of guys and they say they want to play basketball. And then, you know, the rest is history. We kind of made it happen that year. In between of me traveling, because I was back and forth traveling between here and the U.S. And we made it happen. Um... And we hosted the camp for like two years. Um, yeah, it was a great experience, though. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Now, you're in Anguilla. You're doing your thing with uh, the basketball tournament, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. And then you start to, to, to do two things. And I'd like you to tell us about those two things. You started a solo career in music and then you also started throwing and and I'm, I'm very fascinated by your thought process behind this next one because for those that don't know uh many of the smaller islands but particularly anguilla is very much a band culture whether it's a soca band or reggae band uh people really like bands there was a point in time when People didn't like DJ sets as much. And I will say, you started a trend by bringing DJs from Miami into Anguilla, and people started loving those parties. And I... I, Man, I, I forgot about that. I don't, I, don't, I don't even know if I ever told you this, but when I got attached to uh, the Beach Bar, the Pump House, when they brought me in to help them um, to do some events... Uh, yeah. I remembered from a year or two prior the success of your mm -hmm. DJ parties, and that's when I created the the King of Spin tournament. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. so I judged one of those too. You, yeah. I did. I did ask you to be a judge yeah. because I was inspired by. I remember you threw a party at a place called um, Sports Bar. The Sports um, Bar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what happened because like. Like I, like I was, like I was telling you, Crispin, I missed Miami. You know, I had that feeling of like, did I make the right choice? Like, you know, coming back and everything, because I had the opportunity to kind of stay, but I, um, I missed Miami that year, and I was like, you know what? I'm so accustomed of having birthdays in Miami. I would have it no other ways. Either 
I go to Miami or Miami comes to me? Ah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when you brought the DJs in. Yeah, that's when that happened. And that was a yeah. rocking party. I remember that. Yeah, and you know, and, and, and it was just like I met these guys because, you know, again, like your college grounds are like your biggest marketplace. And so these guys were really um aggressive with the way in which they marketed they had like a group like a like a um a whatsapp group and you'd be in there to get on like lists and parties and like i, I could tell you i was in the club yeah <laughs> <laughs> and so for me it was like i met these guys and you know we clicked so um that's foggy and springer shout out to them um and they were part of the senior lane group and then later on heavy hitters, um, the DJ fraternity. And I, um, you know, we grew a bond and I brought them to Angola and it was like history from then on. But I was working on my own career too because I wanted to, to sing. I wanted to get back into um, the music side of things and I thought of my music as not being so much um, the popular thing. It was more so like, um, I'm a creative. I'm putting out the stuff that I want to put out, regardless, regardless of you know what's out there already and what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. You catch? I just have to get my ideas out. And I started doing um, pop. And that's, like, I fell in love with pop and... Um, the rave was born with with all of that too mm-hmm. inside the rave. So yeah, it was the pop, it was the R and B, and the hip hop and rap. That was my thing. The trap, the trap was just starting out too. So the trap was a big thing for me. What was the name of your EP? Uh, music and me, music and me, and you music did a, and me, and you music did a, and you did a couple of videos as well. Yes, I did. <laughs> so, well, why did you why did you decide to pause on 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 your solo career and go more into writing? Because at at a certain point, you started to develop new artists yourself. Yeah. So, uh, like, you know what? I was I was on the fat I was on the on the fast track to um on my own project because, like I said, I'll touch back on LA. Like, my team and I. Um, we produced this song called Mansa Musa. And Mansa Musa was just a uh, Mansa Musa who was a king, an African king who was the richest man to this day. A lot of people don't know this, mm-hmm. but he was the richest man to this day. And um, we wanted to just, you know, touch on that. This was like, I got a blank check. Hey, hey, hey. My feet been moving all night. Hey, hey, hey. I feel like Mansa Musa, Mansa Musa, Mansa Musa. I feel like Mansa Musa, Mansa Musa, Mansa Musa. Hey, hey. And so, um, someone, a producer, uh, sorry, an A&R out of LA got wind of that, and you know, he was like, "Who is, you know, who who sings it?" Like who's the artist because we used to shop music too and um you know we we kind of clicked on that level and you know it was that's where the LA came in too because he was out in LA and 
he was really feeling what we were doing. Um, but at the time, we started to work with artists um, because I felt, like I said, my earlier question was, there must be others behind me that are thinking about music and what do they do? You know, how do they put themselves out there? How do they even begin to, you know, jump on that train and commit to something like that? Because, you know, in Anguilla, it's all about work. It's all about working, having a job, doing, you know, so to, to, to do music full time, to even think about doing doing music on part time on a part time basis is a hard one because of the level of commitment that you have to have. Right. And so for me, it was all about being that guide for artists and then when when I found when we got our first artist as a group we just were like okay we're gonna focus hone in do what we have to do to just produce this because here we are um um, producers and um songwriter and we're just combining our skills but we need someone to put it out there mine I could put it out there but I just wanted to have different voices on the music you catch um you so so everything. you really you put your career on pause in yeah. order to help other artists yeah that is yeah. that is That's one of the most is. selfless things that i've ever heard yeah um because i see you see for me i feel like if if one of us gets it done then um it benefits all of us and so you know, if I see potential in an artist and I feel like she can go somewhere or he can go somewhere, I'm like, yeah, we're we're all in the door, and it's not just the execution of the of the song and the and the and the actual artist singing the song, but it's the entire project. It's the it's the lyrics, it's the production, you know, and that's that's the package. You catch so that that's that's what I was more looking at. That's what sells it. So it's not just myself because remember I was armed with some bit of um entertainment, you know, management background and so I was like trying to bring that part into it as well and taking that step back to really just put that into into practice, you know. Um and and that's just especially what it was for me. I, I really wanted to see a group of us get somewhere. Is that is that yeah. why you attach yourself to the competition that was gonna be held in the Bahamas? What was that? Explain explain to us that entire organization. Yeah, so that was um Music Model Talent Showcase, um, run by Pia Glover and she was a international model. Um, and she really pulled together um, some industry's best um, persons to come and judge. They had the show in the Bahamas, and my job really was to get talented um, and talent, sorry, from Anguilla to participate. So it was like sort of like, sort of like a scouting grounds. So we had models participate. We had um, mus- musicians, singers artists um and um that was it really so i try to get as much persons that i knew who were involved in the arts here to kind of sign on to that um but we went to the bahamas and there we met many industry professionals 
Um, I also met a good friend. He's now a good friend of mine, um, Byron Wright, who worked for BMI. And um, he's now at um, a Sony BMG. He moved to Sony BMG. So he always shares me, you know, shares information with me wherever he, he moves. But he was an A&R at the time for... Um, for BMI and, and responsible for like the whole trap movement in Atlanta, like future and the, you know, getting those guys on and, and everything. So, um, yeah, shout out to him as well. I mean, that to me was an area, um, or an experience where I could network as well. Mm-hmm. And you and did the same, same you did, for the talent here. You did take some, some, uh, persons with you to the Bahamas. Yes, I did. Yeah. Um, we had a Masha. She was an aspiring model. Um, Catriona, who had Catriona Lake, she sang. Um, Omali Durand, um, who's, you know, Omali 360 now. Um, All successful people. Yeah, yeah. Successful people. Um, who else? We had Jamara. Mm-hmm. Richardson, a model, she was, you know, she was awesome. She blew the roof off, you know. Um, and I, I'm sure I'm missing somebody else, but just can't think of it right now. All, all, all success stories. So, so Den Den had a, a part to play in in all these stories. Very, very interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's that's just what it is. Like, I, I, you know, I. I was the like I guess I combined my skills of the entertainment plus the organization, so I kept things in order because I was like the agent, you know, the local agent for um, for the company. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then, Denicia, you and your team wrote a banger, perfect <laughs> with the artist by the artist Natalie. Tell us about that process and. And the concept yeah, behind so, it, et cetera. So, you know, Natalie, um, she came to us through her manager, um, Becky, Queen Bee. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so Queen Bee, you know, she was in a studio with us with, um, with another project. And then she was like, you know what? I think Ludwig, he told her that he was looking for um, a singer. Right, and she was like, "Yeah, I got, I got somebody, and I don't think she's ever sung in a studio before, but I'm gonna bring her." And you know, next session she was there, and we met her for the first time. And it's so funny because some weeks prior, my mom went. She attended this um, choir, like this choir concert, right, and. She just pointed out to me, this young lady, and she was like, oh, she could sing so well. And, you know, I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't really know who this young lady is you're talking about, this Natalie. And um, when I finally met her yesterday, I was like, oh, this is the person that my mom was talking about. And Natalie sang for us, and she sang for us. And she was um, just the rawness in her voice was really one that we could really play with, you know? And it was unique. And we just got to work immediately. Um, and believe it or not, Perfect was the last song that we wrote. Wow. Not thinking anything, not thinking that 
this would be, you know, the the lead single. But yeah, it ended up being the lead single from the EP that we did for her, and it was a fan favorite. It was. It definitely was. Tell us about your. T- well, actually, tell us about the Black Jetty. Like it's a, such a unique name. What's it? What's the concept behind the name, the movement, and then tell us about the team. So the the Black Jetty really came from um, us being on an island. You know, we we thought about you know what's the point of entry. Right? Ah. So Anguilla, what's the point of entry? What's the point of exit? And that was the jetty, right? You know, we leave and we come into the island and we leave the island on boats, right? And, you know, the uh, the ironic thing was is that while we're, we're seeing all of this, the boat isn't enough. We want a jet. You catch? Got it. There's a little bit of play in there. We want to fly the skies. We want to, you know, we want to do it all. We want to travel by boat. We want to travel by plane. Gotcha. You know, that's the way in, that's the way out. And that's we just took it and ran with it, the black jetty. And as you can see with our logo, we have coordinates in there too, or it looks like coordinates or um like a point, you know, like a compass. Um, so that's all in there. But um the black jetty, how we became a collective really is because I wrote songs, Ludwig, he knew that. Um, I call him LG now. So um, LG, he knew that I wrote songs because we worked together um, in high school and we did things for um, for Miss Jacobs. Um, and the so, legendary. Yes, of course. Shout out to Miss Jacobs. Um, but he produced music. And Ludwig was in a studio from a very long time. I call him a prodigy because his dad is an excellent musician. He taught my brother's music. And Ludwig knows how to play a lot of instruments. And, like, he was running his dad's studio from the time he was, like, in the lower grades of um, high school. Right? Mm-hmm. And Ludwig was like... um, I don't know. I think I was in, I was still in university. I was still in Miami, and he hit me up. I hadn't spoken to him in like a long time, and he just hit me up, and he was like, "Then um, I'm looking for a writer, and you know, I'm like, uh, I got a team, and we're producing some music. They were the Black Notes. The Black Notes. And, yeah, the Black Notes. And he's like, you know, you're gonna work work with us." Listen, Dan was on a different wavelength. I wasn't even trying to do nothing. I was like, what? Okay, cool. Um, let me think about it. And I thought about it, and I just put it in the back burner. And this guy was just relentless, hit me up, hit me up. He was like, listen, you push at me, I what? <laughs> He's like, yeah, he pulled me out. He was like, you push at me, I what? He's like, you gonna walk with us or not? Like, you know? I didn't know the other guys. Like, I knew I knew of them, but I didn't know them. And uh, he's like, yeah. Like, I was like, man, I'm coming home this summer, okay? Give my give my word. I'm coming home this summer. So I, I got home that summer, and I committed to working with them. Wow. And that's where our story started. 
So I got in the studio with them and like we vibed and we instantly clicked. So yeah, it was like, you bullshitting me? <laughs> I was like, no, um, I'm going to work with you. Just give me the summer. Um, I'm coming home. And so, yeah, I started, I started, um, I went to the studio and hit the ground running with those guys. I met, you know, I remember nights, like, I, I took a job, um, with my cousin and I would work from like eight to four and then literally go on my second job. I call it my second job. My second job was the studio because at that time I was like, you know what, you either in or you out. And so um, I approached it with so much reverence. I was like from five to um, like two and three in the morning. That was my second job. Being in a studio with my team wow. was my second job. Sometimes I would go in like from seven to to three or seven to like four or whatever the case is. That was my second job. And a lot of people don't understand. They wouldn't understand that concept, right? Because I really didn't want to um, to make it seem like music was just a part-time thing. Right. Because it wasn't for me. Um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't for me. It was something I looked at with a lot of respect. And I was like, I got to make this happen. And I, we even had a slogan, like, Team No Sleep. And we were Team No Sleep for, like, years. I literally did not get any sleep for years. Oh, I know years. the feeling. <laughs> yeah, years. And so that was my life for some time. And, like, my team, they are so specific. They're so... Um, like detail oriented and um, uh, so much I can say about them. Like I've I've been rocking with these guys for over ten years now. Over ten years. Like when I when I finally met them, like I knew I didn't know Bucket so much. So I just knew him as a friend of mine, like Malone's brother, right? And then I knew um, Bleak because Bleak Ludwig and I we all went to. Um, we were we were all in the same form, um, so I know I knew Bleak because at the end of our graduation year, we sang "I Know I Can" by Nas, mm. and it was Bleak and LG Ludwig that did the rapping. <laughs> and you know we were you know I was I was a part of a big installment in the choir in the school choir, and so that's where I remember those guys from. That's where we you know, gain our chemistry. And then when I met Buckets later on, you know, he, well, I, I guess I just fit right in with them. Um, and they were my homies. And then Bezzy and you, Bezzy, just being like, you know, a Methodist. <laughs> from church. Right over from church. Right? Being a Methodist, I just knew Bezzy because, you know, we had girls, we gave boys, we gave whatever. Um, and then he was like my one of my closest friends, um, the cousin of my closest friend. So I knew Bezzy. And we just clicked and we just started just brainstorming. Like no idea was too big. And that's what I loved about those guys. No idea was too big. And as a songwriter, your 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 um your dream is to have a team of producers. Your dream is to have beats flowing, your dream is to have and your endless choice 
of a of a record, your endless choice of a beat. You catch? And that's what those guys afforded me. They afforded me the, um, the beats that I needed and, you know, the capability to even create what I wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very important. And, yeah, and our collective just formed just organically because um, LG had a cousin, Oriel, who was doing a lot of things. He was making moves and he's, you know, he sang reggae and um, like a fusion with a very like soulful, rough, um, still, you know, rugged type of way. Like, a, he, his, his thing is all about the revolution and revolutas. So it's Oriel and the revolutas. And he was based in the U.S. and originally from Dominica, but based in the U.S. and um, he had a keen ear for the music as well, production. That's what he did, a lot of production work in the U.S. And, you know, he was in Jamaica, out of Jamaica, like, doing things. Like, he had his own projects and everything. And just we just combined our um, our gifts and just made it into one collective. And then we, we, we forged um, some more. We, we forged the Black Jelly even more. So I just think um, it was just the perfect time, the perfect... I had nothing else to do, you know, with my time. I was just... That was it. That was it. <laughs> so um, that's how we got to this point, yeah. Indeed. Now, I've had your latest artist on the Planet 30 podcast. Tell us some more about Neek yeah. from a production standpoint. The wonderful Neek. Well, Neek is a special character for me. Um, I think Neek, she came with this pureness. Um, and she was also one of the, um, like a talent that I was looking at for the music model talent showcase, um, in the Bahamas sometime prior. And, you know, at that time, it just wasn't the right time for her to go. She had a lot of stuff going on personally, um, with family and everything, um, you know, um, and so she wanted to be there for, her, her grandma, I think it was her granddad, um, and that was all fine by me. At that, at that point, though, I had already gotten to the, to the stage of, like, okay, if you're serious about something, you will, you will find your way to, um, to us, like, you know, if you're serious about it. I'm not, I'm not going to force you, you know, I'm not going to beg, I'm not going to, you know, I had gotten to that point because for me, the, there's, there's a level of commitment that has to come from the artist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I had gotten to the point of like, okay, all right, this is not the right time for you. I understand. But if you're serious, I'm here. And I told Nick this and every time that we try to, you know, to 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 um to meet up or every time that we tried to connect, it just wasn't working out for like a whole year, you know? And then she finally came to me and was like, I'm ready then I'm ready to do this thing. Please just let me know what I have to do. And I gave her a song that I was working on and I said, Learn this because yeah, 
I believe in you, but you also have to make my team believe in you because I cannot take you to these guys and you're not ready. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's just what it is. These guys are serious and they won't be wasting any time. <laughs> and I might have seemed very harsh at the time, but I'm actually glad that she, you know, she rose to the challenge. She learned the song. Just as I, because, you know, me, I'm the type, I say voice notes save lives, right? Voice notes saves lives because that's the way that I record my stuff. Like, just any type of recording. I just love to um, record my ideas on memo and everything. Like, my one gift one year for, for, um, for my birthday was an actual handheld um, recorder device. <laughs> before, be, before the smartphone. Before the smartphone. So I live by this thing because I literally put everything on there. Like all my ideas, I would record it on there. And um, that's how we, how I, you know, with a smartphone now, I just voice my thing on the, on the memo and I sent it to her. And I was like, you need to learn this song. Here are the lyrics. Learn this, learn this song and come back to me when you've learned it. And so she did. And when she rendered it, I was like, okay, great. I think you're ready. And she rendered it for my team. And they were like, okay, we have a base. We can work. <laughs> and and that's, that, that's literally how the story started. And from her interview, and she said then, you guys did a whole album in like a week. Yeah, I mean, listen, it was a back and forth and a back and forth and it was just so many ups and downs and yeah, we finally got an album done um, because the way I work because I had a home studio, I call it my home studio in Pittsburgh, so we had a home studio and I would travel there every year to catalog music. And so um, I was like, Neek, we're going to take this trip and we're going to record. <laughs> and we did it in a week. We did 20 songs and Incredible. knocked out the album. That's just, that's just how it is when you're in a space that that is conducive to your creative, you know, your creative nature. When, so, like for me, I have to be, you know, with my team, um, there's certain elements that have to be there for me to to really do that that type of thing like you know and so not saying that it doesn't happen with or it can't happen with someone else or with another you know producer but for me that was really special because um but not, I wouldn't say special, but it was a, it was, it was, um, it was the, just the organic process of it, and the fact that Nick came in with an open mind, and she, she, she fit right in. That to me was like, okay, all right, this chick is born to do this. She went in the studio, she recorded, and you know, some people they take a while to really get their their um their footing on on a on a track on a record when you're recording for the first time but for me it was just like wow okay all right this girl is born to do this and we were outside talking while she's in a booth she's not hearing us and we just there talking and like we were just floored you know and so 
um, that that part of the process was was amazing to just to just um, to just produce like just just to be there in that space. Um, yeah, it was it was cool and the writing process for us. I know you, that you kind of want to know that part too. Um, the writing process for us and the production process for us is literally no sleep. Well, not not just the process, but not just the process, but your writing style. You have a very unique writing style. Like, where, how did you develop that? Was it from the poetry uh, days, or you, you just kind of have your own thing? It, your music doesn't exactly sound like anyone else's. Well, the, the poetry, yes, I think that helped in some way, shape, and form to really um, push me um, into the style that I have. But I think a lot of my um, the corrections that I got along the way through Miss um, J because I have to shout her out again. You know, I would go to her with my ideas. I would go to her with my songs already written, and she would say, "You know, take this photo, do this." You know, when you're joining these two words, just be mindful of the of the of the um, syllables, and just be mindful of you know. And I was like, "Okay, all right, cool." And that made me pay m- much more attention to what I was doing. Because when you're writing a song, you're thinking to yourself, why? Sometimes you're thinking to yourself, this song ain't no good. I just want to give up. I don't want to write this no more because this just sound like crap. This ain't make no sense, right? But I've learned over time and through that, you know, the corrections from Ms. Jacobs. So just stick at it. So once you stick at it, then you're able to go through and flush out the idea some more you know, or change a thing or um, change a concept or change a word that could change the whole thought, you know, the whole thought in that one line or the whole thought in that one stanza. So, um, you know, it, it made me pay attention to what I was doing more so. And I think that's how my writing style developed. And then also I was, like I said, I was into this pop. I started writing pop. And then um, the R&B Started the reggae, then the R&B. And when I started writing the R&B stuff, it was like, wow, okay, this is what I want to be doing. This this part, this part of it, because R&B, a lot of R&B is centered on um, the feel good and the love, of course. And I love to write about love. I love to write on that topic. Um, I wanted to do it, but in a... How do you say it? Not the conventional way. I wanted to do it in a, like, hey, I'm a badass, like, yeah, look at me, like, I'm flossy type of, you know, that type of way. Uh And so a lot of that came out, even so with, 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 with my project, my personal project, Music and Me, was all about being the underdog. It's all about being the underground artist and being an underdog in, in, in an area where, you know, the Caribbean where, you know, we don't even get a chance sometimes, you know? We don't get a um, shout out. Yeah, sorry? We don't, we don't even get a shout out on a record. We don't even get a shout out. <laughs> and you're right. And a lot of people, you know, like you say, it's band culture. It's a lot of band music. And it's a lot of artists from the U.S. and the R&B artists, they take from from this region. They take um the styles and they take these different you know so what's what's the difference like why you know we can we can also sing the the, the R&B as well 
but we don't get the we don't get the we don't get the shine, right? Money, <laughs> right, right. So yeah, we gotta talk on that one for sure. But um, <laughs> we don't get we don't get the shine, and so you know, I just wanted to to write write stuff that was going to be personal, connective, and still touch on an everyday emotion, an everyday feeling, which was love. And I thought that Nick's voice was, because she's soft-spoken, because she's, um, because, you know, a lot of people know her as, I, I, I call her the Disney girl, right? Um, she has this sort of, like, you know, whimsical Disney-type um, pitch, right? And so I was right. like, um, I want to challenge myself, challenge my team, and challenge Neek to this, like, on this project. We have to bring her out, let her explore different things, like different realms of sexuality, and explore the grittiness and the roughness, because here I am, I'm, I'm a tomboy, like, I was a tomboy, so for me, just growing up with all the brothers, um, for me, I'm just like, okay, all right, nothing fazed me, right? I'm just tough, like I said, I was just, yeah, this is a badass, you know, I just wanted to be a badass um, project, right? <laughs> and here's me with this soft, you know, this soft nature, and I'm like, listen, you gotta, you gotta bring it out, you gotta bring that out, like, walk me through your experiences, as a person, what are your experiences? What what have you experienced this? Have you experienced that? Tell me about it. Like you know, mm-hmm. and that's just that's just that's all a part of the process. But with so little time, I could tell you we had no sleep. It was about Red Bull and uh, just Red Bull and just pure adrenaline. That's it. Wow! 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 Red Bull and Pure Adrenaline. So then, answer me this question. What do new artists or aspiring artists with very little resources, what do they have to pay attention to in order to eventually be successful? What are the fundamental things that they should be doing? Well, um, like I say, success is relative. And it all depends on how successful you want to be as an artist, okay? Um, For me, I'm fine with just writing and being on the back end of things because, um, you know, being, (laughs) seeing that I've had um, some level of experience with the management side, right? Um, And I, you know, I started researching and saying, um, that's another thing you have to read. You have to read. Um, I started researching and then reading up um, on some of my favorite artists and where they got their starts, right? A lot of them were songwriters at first, right? And I feel like you always hear like the stories of, okay, this, when, when an artist makes a song, they hardly get anything out of that song, right? In a production the, the, the production value is more than the artist like actually rendering the song, right? So I was like, well, if that's the case and I'm on the back end of it, that means I get my cut first, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's, how I, that's how I was thinking, right? And then afterwards I was like, wow, okay, all right. Well, I'm not that type of person where, you know, it's money hungry. I'm not doing it for the, for the, for the love of money, right? I'm doing it for 
the pure passion, the pure love of music. And for me, it really took me to a space of learning more about artists and like getting into artists because here I am, I'm an artist myself wanting to to develop my my brand, my my artistry, but I'm looking at other artists out there like I was big into the Janae I was big into the Wiz Khalifa on the rap I was big in the um Carrie Hilson I love Carrie Hilson because me too she was a songwriter right so she was a songwriter and then she you know she got she a lot of people don't know that these artists have big hits catalog in different genres too in large catalogs and so my focus was mainly on cataloging music because I said, you know what, some some music will be timeless, some music will be um will have a time span, like it's it's what's popping now. But the thing about music is sometimes it's 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 recycled. It's so a song today may not be the song for next year. But in the next two, three, four, five years, it may be the song, right? And you would have that material to kind of kick out and push out and so um some of those things is like you know those are the, the little things that i started to pay attention to i started to pay attention to um the way in which the music was being distributed right mm-hmm. um and how myself as an artist from the caribbean could get my music out there you know the internet is a big place and the internet has everybody who's anybody who, you know, an aspiring singer, star. You know, you you have to own you have to own your your identity in a place like that because if you don't, then you know, there's a million other dens. Like, you know, if if that's the case, I might have a, a different name, but there's a million other people who could sing and who could do what I do. Indeed. But but what differentiates me is is really what I, you know, I started to pay attention to. What can I do that's different? So artists with, like, very little resources, um, they have to also think about how they can collaborate. Like, um, you know, so the, the, the collectives, forming the collectives and and, and um, getting out there as groups, you know, which, which, you know, we have a couple here on this island even, like, you know, as kings of the nation and um again Black Jetty with us, like we're just a collective, so it's just a way in which if you have a certain skill, how do you combine it with somebody else to get the results? So then being the entrepreneur and the creative that you are uh there's a slang in Anguilla that goes you don't done. Which is which, which which fits you aptly. You are never finished, man. You went on and and you started the tea box lounge. Tell us about the tea box lounge. Yeah, I mean, I think um, <laughs> I, I like the you don't done thing, right? Um, <laughs> uh, the tea box lounge really is a love for my love for tea, um, my love for an elegant space. Where you know you can meet. I, you know, I've since moved away from the large events, um, like you know the rave or the you know the big parties, because I find peace in intimate settings. I find peace in 
you know, being able to control a space. When you have a large space or a large, you know, large number of people around, any number of things can happen, you know? And for me, I just wanted to have a space that people could come and sit and enjoy, um, you know, the things that I like, the tea, and just take a break from the norm, just relax, because we get so caught up in the hustle and bustle of things, right? And we don't take, sometimes we don't take time to breathe, Hmm. you know? And that's essential. essentially, that's what life is about. Life is about slowing down, breathing, and relaxing, and really focusing on, on, on the things that really matter, you know? Um, and that that for me, I think the tea box allowed me to, to kind of do that and play on the senses of of um, of people. I wanted to bring an exp- a unique experience to the island um, because I was just a lover of tea. I had a bad habit of drinking coffee in university, and then it was like messing with my knobs and like the withdrawal and all of that stuff. And, you know, I just fell in love with tea. My sister-in-law introduced me to loose leaf tea, and I was hooked ever since then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the Tea Box Lounge was born. Yes. Well, one question I forgot to ask you. Going back to uh, your writing, is there a dream collaboration that you'd like to to do? Like, who is that? who is that artist that you'd like to write a song for? I'm pretty sure when you write songs, sometimes you have an artist in mind. Who, who, give me, oh, give me two. That's always the case. Give me, you know give me two. I had a song. I had a song one time for Beyonce, like literally, like this song was for B. So I, I think I would want to, um, I would want to do that right for B. And then, um, I think I had a song for Rihanna as well. <laughs> Why don't you aim, 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 aim higher? <laughs> I'm kidding. I mean, that's the pinnacle, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Like, I always um, loved. I always loved Beyonce. I must say, like, I always, you know, respected and admired, you know, her her moves in music and like their families are kind essential. Um, showbiz family <laughs> you get mm-hmm. and so you know from a young age her being pushed in that direction and how they really develop her career I really admire that part about it um I have to say Justin Bieber too because I love I, I have I have Bieber fever that just can done like I just love Justin Bieber and to see his growth as an artist as a husband like I just I'm just so fascinated with that because he started very young too, you know? And I just always say the evolution of Justin Bieber is one that I like. And Rihanna, I like Rihanna because, of course, she's from the Caribbean, and so we run things, like, you know? So I I just always had, um, like, like, as you said, I I wrote songs, and I would say, oh, Riri, oh, B, and that's, that's just what it is. What does success look like to you? Success in 
music or is it success in general? In general, as an entrepreneur, as in, in music, what does success look like for Den Den? I think success is, for me, is being able to manage what I have because for me, I feel I'm, I'm, I'm very much on a minimalist um, movement in that train. Um, and I think we have so much, this world is so full of, 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 of things and stuff and, you know, it's, it's just everywhere you look at stuff and people want to own stuff and people want to get stuff. And that's fine and dandy, but what I have is literally like, you know, for me, I just want to be able to, um, control my space and control the way I feel, you know, and I think success, like I say, I keep saying is relative, and that's what success looks like for me. I want to be able to achieve my my goals. I set a, a, a like a timeline for myself, which you know is is music based, but I set a timeline for myself, and you know these these certain goals that I'm I'm kind of ticking off as I go, and the only way I could do that is by managing. Um, what I already have, we catch. So, yeah, that's that's what it is for me. Got it, got it. And what advice would you give to the fifteen-year-old Denden? <laughs> the fifteen-year-old Denden. <sighs> wow, that one you got me thinking, Crispin. The fifteen-year-old Denden. I think the fifteen-year-old Denden was very fearless, right? I did everything, and I let nothing stop me. Um, the 15-year-old Denden, what I would say to her is, girl, you need to do music full-time. <laughs> 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 I'm kidding. But <laughs> the 15-year-old Denden, you know what? I wouldn't tell her. I would tell the 15-year-old Denden to keep at it and don't stop until the wheels fall off. Like it, I, I love mean, it. I feel like I, I feel like I feel like as young as I am, I've done a lot of things. Oh, that's right? an understatement. I've done a lot of things, and um, as small as my project may be to someone else, as small as the Black Jetty may be to someone else, you know, on a local scene, like. It was a big deal for myself and my team because here you had, you know, five to six brains working at Optimum to produce something that was never even, you know, you, you, you just can't imagine, you know, what it's like to, to really put um, an album out there. It's just so much brain work, Crispin, that you get exhausted it's very exhaustive and i think you know you know after the after producing an album after producing the eps and stuff i took some real long breaks because i couldn't listen to music i couldn't do it, it was just so much it was a lot but i mean like i i think i've done so much right now the question is always like what's next right <laughs> Mm-hmm. question is always what's next and for me I think like I say just 
trying to achieve these goals, trying to tick off the boxes as I go, that's that's what's next for me. Now, what other goals would you like to accomplish business-wise? Oh, man, business-wise, ooh. I'm big in, um, in, in um, interior design. I, I love interior design, so... For me, business-wise, I would have to do something in interiors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm, I think for me, what I would like to accomplish is, is uh, business-wise, I'm, I'm big in, I like interior design, so it would have to be something in that, you know, in that area. Um, but music-wise, I, you know, I said this was going to be my last year doing music really <laughs> yeah why so um but i think it's just more so having taking a step back you know taking a step back and looking at what i've done and what i could do and you know i've i've done over the past couple of months just a lot of background vocals and and everything like that um and it's more so finding the value of the music, you know, matching the value of the music to what I give. Mm-hmm. So, music, you know, it's, it's, it's all fine and dandy when we speak about this too. It's all fine and dandy when you need a musician to to sing a song for like a concert or whatever the case is. But, you know, when, when the musician is actually trying to get paid, and do this stuff, and you know, it's 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 just a value, mm-hmm. matching the value to what to what you give. Um, that's 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 something to consider. <clears throat> you can add that to the to the to the to the thing too for artists looking at what they need to be doing, what they need to be paying attention to. So tell me, what's next for the Den Den brand? Because you've already established yourself as a brand, as a as a quote unquote do things woman. What's your immediate next step? What's the immediate next step? What 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 can we look forward to? You know, um, then what's next for me? I'm just gonna keep pushing, keep doing what I what I know how to do. Um, I definitely want to work on another project, um, music wise, uh, with an artist, um, and it's all about like for me. I say it's got to be one that is big and um it pushes me right and i want to do it in a space that's different and unconventional and that's just it i want to continue to experience just have new experiences mm-hmm. that's it in the music and just push myself you know whether it's it's performing no i taking up that 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 area or um or even just traveling, you know, just traveling and, and, and touring and, you know, doing a minute tour, something like that. Like, that's what I would, I would want to do. So then, then when you are 110 years old on your porch and you're hanging out, overlooking the water somewhere, anywhere in the world, what is that thing that you'd like to say, I wanted to accomplish and I did? What is Denden's ultimate goal? looking out at the water. <laughs> that's what you said? That's exactly what I said. Listen, Christmas, that's my ultimate goal. Like, out on a porch. 
looking out at the water to me that symbolizes relaxation mm. I'm able to relax I'm able to breathe I'm able to say listen I did what I wanted to do I did what I what I what I was put on this earth to do yeah I'm gonna tie it back to the music I'm gonna tie it back to the music because like I said my project although it's small it's something that I am super proud of my team meeting this 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 fantastic group of producers and fantastic talented you know you know just just a, just being in a space with people like them is something that I I definitely um cherish and so just just connections just the connections that's something that I'm super proud of and something that I could say if I'm sitting you know when I'm outside looking over at the water like I have some amazing connections mm-hmm so then, then this is a segment that I call the planet is yours. I strap on my spacesuit and I jump out into the atmosphere and I allow you to say whatever it is you want to say to the audience. Then, then the planet is yours. The planet is mine. Hey, everybody, you get a cake. You get a cake. <laughs> you get a cake. Um, you can have it all. Trust me, you can have it all. <laughs> And you know that's what I, that's what essentially what I want to say. You can be anything that you want to be on this earth. You know, as long as you have breath and life, just go for it. Awesome, awesome, awesome advice. So then, then as a writer, I know writers have different like isms, and writers have different isms and and different um, approaches, and they have different. I don't want to say superstitious stuff, but. Do you have any, like, toys or, or items that you have to have when you're writing? <laughs> uh, I heard yeah, something. I heard um, something. Yeah, I mean, I, ha- I, ha- I had a little, um, kind of like a binky, like a blanket that was, um, it's my comfort. So, like, I suck my tongue, and so it's like a towel. And, um, Aww. yeah, <laughs> but nowadays I find like, you know, any piece of cloth would do, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just gotta be in that, that comfort mode. I just gotta be in that comfort mode to, right. to, to write my stuff. Yeah. Awesome. To write. So then, then this is the, perhaps the most important question of the interview. How do we contact you? Drop your socials, your website, everything. Well, you can contact me at the Black Jetty um, on Instagram or um, <clears throat> the Black Jetty Project at gmail.com. That's pretty much it, Kristen. All right, all right. So, Denise and Niles, Den Den, as you're affectionately yes. known, <laughs> um, it has Den. been an absolute pleasure having you here on the planet. And uh, thank you so much. It's been awesome. It's been awesome chatting with you. (laughs) (laughs) And this has been Planet 30. Planet 30. Thank you for listening to this episode of Planet 30. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at OnPlanet30. Like us on Facebook.com slash Planet 30. Our email address is 
onplanet30 at gmail.com. That's O-N-P-L-A-N-E-T-T-H-I-R-T-Y at gmail.com. For more information about Planet 30, visit our website, planet30.com. That's P-L-A-N-E-T-T-H-I-R-T-Y dot com. I am Crispin Brooks, and this is Planet 30.